0: My offering affirms my commitment and my willingness to be an inlet and an outlet for the abundant. Emotion. It's never dull So as I said, our affirmation card this week is, is on the back table at, at the information table. And it is a quote from Holmes, Dr. Holmes, and it's one of my favorite quotes from his letter to the ministers. Uh, back in the 50s or 60s, and it's the closing line from this letter. And he wrote, May the real spirit of Christmas, the giving of self to life, enter and abide in you now and through all time. As a reminder, as I said, you'll find that, uh, that card on the information table in the back. And what we suggest to you is that in all of your gift giving, that you don't leave yourself out of the mix. That you don't forget to give yourself a gift as well. That's a gift to you. Not to me. Not a family member. Not a secret Santa co-worker. But a gift to yourself. And some might say that, you know, well, giving my, a gift to myself could be construed as a little selfish. And we would say, understand, we're not suggesting running to the mall and buying something for yourself, we're suggesting taking the time to go within the sanctity of your own consciousness, to get centered and clear through affirmative prayer and meditation on just what a dynamic expression of spirit you have come to this life to be. By making the gift of spiritual awareness a priority for their experience, Guarantees individuals will always be ready and able to give the gifts of their consciousness to all who share their journey by giving ourselves the gift of spiritual awareness. Through prayer and meditation, the positive actions we take to expand our consciousness are the means by which we evolve the givingness of the divine within us and contained within this individual conscious evolution of spirit, we move into the realization the spiritual gifts that we give to ourselves are the gifts of spirit endowed with empowered creativity, pure omnipotence, and limitless, unconditional love. This is the energetic aura steeped in the Christ consciousness. This is what the season is about. Being centered in your own empowered creativity, your own pure omnipotence, and your limitless, unconditional love. Through the receiving of these higher gifts in our hearts and souls, we are able to give of our higher selves to those in our experience. And our human need to give of the material things in this world is rooted in that spiritual necessity To always give and express that part of us, which is divine, limitless presence, thriving as divine, limitless you. To really thrive in the holiday spirit. Give yourself the gift of spiritual awareness. Take the time to do some affirmative prayer work, to do some meditation, to do some visualization with only one intent. To acknowledge your spiritual authority to acknowledge and accept that expression of source that you are. And once you do that, you're going to find that you're going to be biting at the bit to deck the halls be merry and sing la 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 la, which is the title of our lesson this morning. La 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 la. So there you go. Did I have too many laws in there Gwen or did I get it right? No, I got it right. Okay. Always checking. So we have a little holiday parable for you. And it's about this fellow. He buys his wife uh, what appeared to be this beautiful, huge diamond ring for Christmas. Huge rock. And after hearing about this extravagant gift, his friend said to him, you know, I thought she wanted one of those sporty four-wheel drive vehicles. And the husband said, well, yes, she did. But but where am I going to find a fake Jeep? <clears throat> And here's the moral to the story. An individual who chooses not to give themselves the gift of spiritual awareness often finds themselves operating within and as a less than real physical spiritual expression. As we always get an exact match to what we give. So why not ensure that we are always giving of our a, of a Giving of our higher selves to ourselves throughout the holiday season. Why not spend that time building your energy up that allows you to say, wow, I cannot outgive the universe. I cannot run out of love to give. I cannot run out of compassion to give. I cannot run out of kindness to give. Because when you do that... It sets up a field of causation that allows your con- your consciousness to be the conduit for more love, more compassion, more kindness to flow through you. That is what your purpose is. That is why you were on this journey. And we are just privileged to share this moment in time with you. I want to share a story. It's my favorite Christmas story, as many of you know. And it is about two such individuals who always gave of their higher selves during the holiday season. And here's how the story goes. Imagine a morning in late November. Consider the kitchen of a spreading old house. A black stove is its main feature, but there is also a big round table and a fireplace. Just today, the fireplace commenced its seasonal roar A woman with white hair is standing at the kitchen window, wearing a gray sweater over a summery calico dress. She is small and sprightly. But due to a youthful illness, her shoulders are hunched. Her face is remarkable. Tinted by sun and wind, finely boned, and her eyes are sherry-colored. Oh my, she exclaims, it's fruitcake weather. The person to whom she is speaking is myself. I am seven, and she is 60-something. We are cousins, distant ones, and we have lived together as long as I can remember. Other people inhabit the house, relatives. And though they have power over us and frequently make us cry, we are not on the whole too much aware of them. We are each other's best friend. She calls me Buddy, in memory of a boy who died when she was still a child. It's always the same. A morning arrives in November, and my friend, as though officially inaugurating the Christmas season, announces, it's fruitcake weather. We guide our buggy into a grove of pecan trees. And later on that evening, we're back in the kitchen hauling pecans. We eat our supper, cold biscuits, bacon, blackberry jam, and discuss tomorrow. Tomorrow the kind of work I like best begins buying cherries and vanilla, canned pineapple, raisins and whiskies. Before these purchases can be made, there is the question of money. Neither of us has any. Except for skin flint sums persons in the house occasionally provide. A dime is considered big money. Or what we earn for for ourselves from various activities, holding rummage sales, selling jars of homemade jam. Once we won 79th prize, $5, in a national football contest. Not that we know a full thing about football. It's just that we enter any contest we hear about. At the moment, our hopes are centered on the $50,000 grand prize being offered to name a, a new brand of coffee. We suggested A.M. And after some hesitation, for my friend thought it perhaps sacrilegious, the slogan, A.M. Amen. But one way or another each year, we accumulate a fruitcake fund. These monies we keep hidden in an ancient bee purse, under a loose board, under the floor, under a chamber pot, under my friend's bed. The purse is seldom removed except to make a deposit or, as happens every Saturday, a withdrawal. For on Saturdays, I am allowed 10 cents to go to the picture show. My friend has never been to a picture show, nor does she intend to. I'd rather hear you tell the story, buddy. That way I can imagine it more. With supper finished, we retire to the room in a faraway part of the house and take the bead purse from its secret place and spill its contents. According to her calculations, we have $12.73. According to mine, exactly 13 I do hope you're wrong, buddy. We, we can't mess around with 13 Why, I wouldn't dream of getting out of bed on the 13th. This is true. She always spends 13ths in bed. So to be on the safe side, we subtract a penny and toss it out the window. Of the ingredients that go into our fruitcakes, whiskey is the most expensive, as well as the hardest to obtain. State law forbids its sale. But everybody knows you can buy a bottle from Mr. Ha ha Jones. So the next day, we set out for mister Haha's Ha-Ha's business. A sinful fish fry and dancing cafe down by the river. We've been there before on the same errand, but in previous years, our dealings have been with Haha's has wife. We've never laid eyes on her husband. We've heard that he's a giant of a man with... Razor scars across his cheeks. They call him ha-ha because he's so gloomy. A man who never laughs. As we approach his cafe, our steps slow down. I knock on the door. Queenie barks. My friend calls out. Mrs. Ha-ha, ma'am. Anyone home? Footsteps. Our hearts overturn. It's Mr. Ha-ha Jones himself. And he... Is a giant. He does have scars and he doesn't smile and demands what, to know what you want with haha. Ha. Well, for a moment, we're just too paralyzed to tell. And my friend finds her voice and, and says, If you please, Mr. Haha, ha, we'd like a quart of your finest whiskey. It's for making fruitcakes, Mr. Haha. Ha. He frowns. That's no way to waste good whiskey. Nevertheless, he retreats and seconds later appears, carrying a bottle and says $2. We pay him with nickels and dimes and pennies and suddenly, jangling the coins in his hands, his face softens. Tell you what, pouring the money back into our purse, just send me one of them fruitcakes instead. Well, my friend remarks on our way home, there's a lovely man. We'll put an extra cup of raisins in his cake. The black stove, stoked with coal and firewood, glows like a lighted pumpkin. Egg beaters whirl, spoons spin round in bowls of butter and sugar. Vanilla sweetens the air. In four days, our work is done. 31 cakes, dampened with whiskey, bask on the sills. Who are they for? Friends. Not necessarily neighbor friends, the, the larger share are intended for persons we maybe met once. Perhaps not at all. People who have struck our fancy like President Roosevelt. Hmm. The cakes are gone. Yesterday we carted the last of them to the post office where the cost of stamps turned our purse inside out. We're broke. That depresses me. But my friend insists on celebrating with two inches of whiskey left in Haha's bottle. Queenie has a spoonful and a bowl of coffee. The rest we divide between a pair of jelly glasses. We're both quite awed at the prospect of drinking whiskey. The taste of it brings screwed-up expressions and sour shudders. But by and by, we begin to sing. We giggle. Queenie rolls on on her back, something like a grin stretches her black lips. My friend waltzes around the stove, the hem of her calico skirt pinched between her fingers as though it were a party dress. Enter two relatives. Listen to what they have to say. A child of seven, whiskey on his breath, road to ruination. Remember Cousin Kate, Uncle Charlie, shame, kneel, pray, beg the Lord. Queenie sneaks under the stove. My friend gazes at her shoes and her chin quivers, and she lifts her skirt and blows her nose and, and runs to her room. The house is silent. She's weeping into a pillow. Don't cry, I say, sitting at the bottom of her bed. Don't cry, I beg, teasing her toes and tickling her feet. You're too old for that. If you don't stop crying, you'll be so tired tomorrow. We can't cut a tree. She straightens up. Queenie jumps up on the bed. I know where we'll find real pretty trees, buddy. And Holly, too. With berries as big as your eyes. It's way off in the woods. Papa used to bring us trees from there. I can't wait for morning. We're almost there. Can you smell it, buddy? She says as though we're approaching an ocean of scented holiday trees. We set about choosing a tree. It should be, muses my friend, twice as tall as a boy, so a boy can't steal the star. The one we pick out is twice as tall as me. A trunk in the attic contains coils of frazzled tinsel gone gold with age, one silver star, a brief deli- Rope of dilapidated, dangerous, candy-like light bulbs. And our next project is the fashioning of family gifts. Tie-dyed scars for the ladies. For the men, a home-brewed licorice and aspirin syrup to be taken at the first symptoms of a cold. when it comes time for making each other's gifts, my friend and I separate. I would like to buy her pearl-handled knife, a radio, a whole pound of chocolate-covered cherries. We tasted some once, and she always swears, I could live on them, buddy, Lord, yes, I could, and that's not taking his name in vain. Instead, I'm building her a kite. She would like to give me a bicycle. If only I could, buddy. It's bad enough in life to do without something you want, But confound it, what gets my goat is not being able to give somebody something you want them to have. One of these days, I will locate you a bike. Don't ask how. Steal it, maybe. Instead, I'm fairly certain she's building me a kite. The same as last year and the year before, all of which is fine by me as we are champion kite flyers. Buddy, are you awake? It's my friend calling from her room next to mine. An instant later, she is sitting on my bed. I can't sleep a hoot. She declares, buddy, do you think Mrs. Roosevelt will will serve our cake at dinner? We huddle in bed, and she squeezes my hand. I love you. Seems like your hand used to be so much smaller. I guess I hate to see you grow up. When you're grown up, will we still be friends? I say always. But I feel so bad, buddy. I wanted to give you a bike. I tried to sell my cameo Papa gave me. Buddy, I made you another kite. Then I confess that I made her one too, and we laugh. Possibly we doze. But the beginnings of dawn splash over us like cold water. We're up wide-eyed and wondering while we wait for others to waken. Quite deliberately, my friend drops a tea kettle on the kitchen floor. I tap dance in front of closed doors. One by one, the household emerges looking as though they'd like to kill us. But it's Christmas, so they can't. Well, I'm disappointed. Who wouldn't be? With socks, a Sunday school shirt some handkerchiefs, a hand-me-down sweater, and a year's subscription to a religious magazine for children, The Little Shepherd. My friend has a better haul. A sack of candy, a white wool shawl. She says her favorite gift is the kite I built her. It's very beautiful, though not as beautiful as the one she made me. Buddy, the wind is blowing. The wind is blowing and nothing will do till we return to the pasture where Queenie has scooted to bury her bone. And where, winter winter hints, Queenie will be buried too. There we unreal our kites, we sprawl in the grass and watch watch our kites fly. My, how foolish I am, my friend cries. You know what I've always thought? She asks in a tone of discovery. I've always thought a body would have to be sick and dying before they saw the Lord. I'll wager at the very end the body realizes the Lord has already shown himself that things as they are and her hand circles in a gesture that gathers the clouds, the kites, the grass and queenie pawing earth over her bone. Just what they've always seen was seeing the Lord. As for me, I could leave the world with today in my eyes. This is our last Christmas together. Life separates us. Those who know best decide I belong in a military school. I have a new home, too. But home is where my friend is, and there I never go. She remains puttering around the kitchen, alone with Queenie, then alone. Buddy, dear, she writes... Yesterday, Jim Macy's horse kicked kicked Queenie bad. I wrapped her in a fine linen sheet and rode her in a buggy down to Simpson's pasture, where she can be with all her bones. For a few Novembers, she continues to bake her fruitcakes. Not as many, but some, and of course she always sends me the best of the batch. Gradually, her letters tend to confuse me with the buddy who died, in the 1880s and more and more thirteenths are not the only days she stays in the bed and a morning arrives in November a leafless birdless coming of winter morning which she cannot rouse herself to exclaim oh my it's fruitcake weather and when that happens I know it a message saying so merely confirms of peace of news, some secret vein had already received, severing me from an irreplaceable part of myself, letting it loose like a kite on a broken string. This is why, walking across a school campus on this particular December morning, I keep searching the sky as if I expected to see rather like hearts a lost pair of kites hurrying toward heaven. The holiday season is not about what you give. It's about what you express. It's about knowing that there are those in your experience that no matter what you want to give them, that might be of the material realm, that might be of the material realm, none of it, absolutely None of it compares to the magnitude of the gift that you may express from the spiritual realm. The magnitude of the gift of your consciousness of Christ, a consciousness centered in pure omnipotence, pure love, pure joy. Barbara Angelis said, no matter what age you are or what, cir- what your circumstances might be, you are special. And you still have something unique to offer. Your life, because of who you are, has meaning. Your life, because of who you are, has meaning. Your life, because of who you are, is the reason that we celebrate the holiday season. For us and our teaching and our movement and the New Thought teaching, however you want to phrase it, the holiday is about bringing forward that consciousness of Christ, that knowing that every person that crosses our path every day is the opportunity to birth a new expression of source. And that begins with you. That begins with you. But we forget that in all the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. So we implore you this holiday season to take time to give a gift to yourself the gift of just getting centered in your own spiritual awareness. You know, Friday we had our annual I can say, I think it's safe to say after 4 years we can call this our annual lost and found potluck event. About this event is what happened afterwards. Yeah, I turned myself back on. You know, the older you get, the more you have to turn yourself on. Anyway. I'll pay for that when I get home. But what I want to share about the event is what happened afterwards. Because Saturday I got a text message from one of our members who was just expressing... Much love and appreciation for being able to participate in this event and experience the the love that these kids had and the gratitude that these kids had for us preparing a holiday meal and giving them a small gift. And then serving them as... And by serving them, I mean we gave them a menu and let them choose from the menu. They sat down at a table. These are kids that came in from under the bridges, To have a holiday meal. And my text was, a, was from this individual that was sharing how grateful they were. And, oh, you, you guys do such a great job and all that wonderful stuff. And, you know, we didn't, personally, I didn't do anything. I coordinated the event. That's it. You guys made it happen. You guys made it happen. And I want to share what you made happen this holiday season. You know, the first four years ago, and I remember, some people don't remember, when we said, okay, we're going to gift to Lost and Found. We hadn't started our monthly dinners yet then. We just said, let's take up gift card collection for Lost and Found. And we did that, and we generated... Hear that? That's Johnny Cash coming. I hear that. And we did that, and we took a bag of gift cards to Lost and found it six hundred dollars in gift cards and we did that within thirty days. The second year we decided to do dinner and gift cards. And that second year the kids got a full deal full full deal, dinner, ham, turkey, we did the serving, right? And the kids got thirty five a thirty five a thirty-five dollar gift card. They were so happy. Thirty-five bucks. Everybody was hugging necks and all that great stuff. And Then the last year, the third year, full dinner, $50 gift card. This year, full dinner, 27 kids. The number's gone up over the years. 27 kids, $70 cash each. $70 cash each. You did that. You did that. We simply put the means in place for it to unfold. But you're the ones that allowed that idea to come to fruition. And it was from that you could see these kids, literally see these kids, running and hugging the volunteers, jumping for joy over $70. You know, My hourly rate is much more than $70. You can't get me on a podium for $70. When was the last time you were excited? Truly about $70. When was the last time $70 was going to change your life? When was the last time $70 was going to allow you to sleep inside or change? hopefully you don't remember and you've never had that choice. But what I'm getting to here and what we're getting to here is this focus of the holiday season, especially with us, has been about focusing on expanding the spiritual awareness of how powerful you are and then allowing that power, that energy to go out and impact the world in new and wonderful in dynamic ways. And by God, you did that. Can I get an amen or applause or something? A true dad? I'm am I am I the only one that's excited about that? It's like, oh my God. Y'all, y'all are waiting for the hammer to drop, I guess. And I will say, not only did all the 27 kids receive that we left a couple of extra envelopes for the stragglers that come in. That's huge. That's huge. And it's huge because you made a difference. And you made a difference because you're practicing principle. You made a difference because you're practicing principle. If you can make a difference in somebody's life externally through the practice of principle, Just imagine the transformation that can take place in your journey as you practice principle for you. As you practice principle for you. And it all begins and ends with the ability, with the intention to give yourself the gift of your own spiritual authority and power. Norman Vincent Peale said this, He said, Christmas waves a magic wand over the world. And behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. Well, I agree with Mr. Peel. And I know that these words have demonstrated. Because when we leave here today, we're going to all go out knowing that the world is appearing softer and more beautiful. Because you practice principle. Because you allowed yourself to say, wait a second, I want to be able to give of my higher self without conditions. And so you shared your time, your talent, your treasure, not just with the center, but with these kids, with these youth. Even yesterday, we had to, we had to set up for today, and Nelson had his event going on at, what time did it start? 4? At 4 o'clock? So we had to get in and reset the center up and be out by 3.30. Otherwise, Gabriel would start yelling at me. I'm just kidding. He did threaten me with one of the singing bowl mallets, though. <laughs> but what came of that was, you know, it's like, well, we, we're just going to need some more help. And we made the call, and guess what? People flocked in to help us. So this isn't Tony and Dan, and this isn't Reverend Tony, and it's not just... What's his name? Sitting back there, Brian. This is you. You did this. If you did this, we have to ask, what else can you do? Through the practice of principle. So, are you ready to deck the halls? You ready to be merry? What do we say? la 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 and so Thank you again for so selecting <laughs> the Trinity Center for Spiritual Living podcast for your spiritual journey and for the expression of your generosity at TrinityCenterAtlanta.org forward slash donate.